Welcome to the Sports Force Baseball Podcast. We break down the realities of the college baseball recruiting process. We'll hear directly from college coaches and industry insiders as we bring you everything you need to know about this hugely important facet of the college baseball process. Never miss a beat with the Sports Force Baseball Podcast. For full episodes and more, head over to sportsforceonline.com. I'm your host, Jack Hoppenberg. My guest today has a long and impressive baseball resume. Coach Sam DiMatteo is the head coach at College of the Desert, a junior college program located in Palm Desert, California. Coach DiMatteo was in his first season at the helm for the Roadrunners in 2020 and had spent the previous two seasons as an assistant with the program. He's also previously served as the hitting coach for the Palm Springs Power, a collegiate wood bat summer team in the SCCBL. He's also a two-time NCAA Division II All-American for California University of Pennsylvania. He is that program's all-time leader in hits, runs, and stolen bases. He was inducted as the 27th baseball member of the California University Athletics Hall of Fame. As a professional, he participated in the 2011 minor league spring training with the Washington Nationals organization and played parts of five seasons in the independent leagues, including appearances in the United League, Atlantic League, Pecos League, and Pacific Association. He's also the founder of the SD Project, a nonprofit organization that supports athletes of all ages who struggle financially or who battle against mental or physical disability. We at Sports Sports Baseball are very excited to welcome Coach DiMatteo on the podcast. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, absolutely. So you are the head coach at a junior college. Uh, it's one that fits nicely into the ecosystem of college baseball. And obviously, this is a really strange time for everybody across college baseball. So, you know, your first season was shortened by the pandemic. I got about halfway through it. You know, what sort of lessons did you learn from, from that first season? And how are you feeling going into year two? Um. Man, there's a lot of, I'll tell you what, just, just as my first year as a, as the head coach, like you just said, you said it perfectly, the amount of things that I've learned in the first year, I mean, it wasn't even a full year or full season, but um, just the difference from, you know, the slow transition from going to assistant coach, I mean, from player to assistant coach and then assistant coach to head coach um, and the responsibilities that change and, and how much more responsibility there are and, and, um, you know, your relationship with the players and things. I, I've just learned so much um, in that three-year transformation of player, assistant, head coach. Um, and then especially with these crazy times going on um, and things kind of just getting flipped upside down. Um, it is a crazy time to, to become a head coach, you know, for my first year. But um, I have, uh, I have, I've learned so much. I've learned stuff from players. I've learned, you know, I have an awesome coaching staff and and people that are established that have also been teaching me along the way as well. And, and coaches you play are always willing to help. And, you know, because, you know, I am a, a younger guy coming into this and, and um, I've just embraced, you know, to keep my mind open and, and, um, and learn as much as I can. And I've learned that from baseball, you know, from playing is you always have to keep an open mind, you know, you, you never know everything. And I, and that's kind of how I, I carry myself is, is I'm very op an open book and I like to learn from other people and, and learn from these experiences that are happening right now. So um, it's been interesting, but um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball guy and I, we find ways to love it still. Definitely. And uh, I mean, it, it seems like you uh, philosophy wise are a guy who likes to work on developing more than just the baseball player. Uh, there's a great quote from you in your uh, press release that called the desert put out upon your hiring. Uh, where you stated that sports ends, baseball ends, and there are a lot of reasons and a lot of things that need to be taught uh, to players on and off the field. Uh, so do you feel that something like the pandemic shortening the season and that sort of adversity is, is going to be long-term a positive effect on your players in terms of learning how to go forward in life? Absolutely. Um, it's really cool to, man, that's a really good uh, little 
thing you put together there. Um, it's, it's really, I'm re I feel like I'm reaching the age at 33 where there's a lot of, a lot of looking back and seeing all the stuff that sucked really, or the stuff that was hard and seeing what that did to you or where that sent you or where that propelled you to, or, you know, what that was the next step that was setting you up for. Um, and I, and that's, I feel like that's very true with, with sports and life really is um, when, when crazy things are happening right at that time, it's always very easy. And, and I, I think a young mindset, it's very easy to feel bad and to be upset and to, and let it start to drag you down. And, um, and, and cause you don't get to see where all that was sending you yet, you know, and, and not, like I said, at this age, I look back and I can start to put the pieces together. It was like, well, at the time, this was horrible. And at the time, this place was the worst place I ever, uh, was ever at. And then I shattered my elbow and now I feel like life is over. But th and then it, it all sent me these different places. And when I look back, it's like, man, if, if, it, it was for a reason, give or take, you know, some of these hardships and things like that. It takes a long time to play some of that out to see where it's taken you. But I do try to teach my kids that and tell them this kind of stuff from experience, you know, um, that, that that's the, it's a, it's a, I think it's a mature mindset. Um, it takes time to think like that, you know, when things are rough to think that way, instead of think, well, this is terrible and I'm going to make everything be terrible about it, you know? So, um, that's, this is one of those instances, I, I guess, give or take, but, um, you know, this is a rough patch for a lot of kids, um, in, in, in a lot of ways at a lot of the ages and different levels. And it really, really jams things up and, and um, I really feel for a lot of them. I put myself in their shoes, you know, with a lot of this stuff. And I can't even imagine um, not having a senior year of anything. When I played football, when I played baseball, that's like what you live for when you're coming out of high school. That's, that's the best part. So to have that taken, man, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow for kids and parents, you know, and, and re the recruiting process. And um, that's a tough pill to swallow. So um, you know, we, us as coaches, like we, and, and with our guys, you know, we, we kind of have to set the, the standard of how we're going to act about it and how we're going to go about it. And we're still going to stay positive. We're still going to do everything the right way. And we're, you know, we're not going to just slack off because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we're, we're all in, we still been full speed ahead and doing everything we plan on doing. Um, you know, and I think that's the best way to approach it if you're a player or a coach. Yeah. So full speed ahead, that, that might be kind of hard going forward, considering that many colleges aren't going to have players or, or students on campus uh, in, in the fall. So with that said, how do you go forward? How do you, uh, you know, take these lessons and apply them and, and help the players grow both as players and as people? Yeah, definitely. So this, it's going to be so tricky, the, um, all this online stuff and, and having, um, you know, 60 kids ready to go. And, and creating workout plans and pitching programs and Zoom meetings. And, um, and, that, and that's basically what we've been, I mean, man, it's, we start up in two weeks and I think we started this process probably a month and a half ago, you know, just kind of piecing the months together and, and how we're gonna do everything because it really needs to be organized um, with a lot, you know, with, with big numbers and not being able to meet up in person. And, you know, what time are we meeting with the pitchers and the pitching coach and what time are the hitters going to do their thing today? And what are we getting on zoom to go over bunt plays? And, and then at the same time, I got 40 swings that I need to look at, you know, how are we going to chop that up to everybody and spread that out? And then we need to talk about recruiting when we need to get video from everybody. So we can start uh, getting coaches that are messaging us, you know, they want to start seeing video they're recruiting for next year. And it is, it's a lot of moving parts. 
um, and, and to just have to do it all over the computer and Zoom and phone, you know, you can make it work. You know, it's not, it, it's tricky because we're just not used to this, you know, but um, as the more we go, um, I honestly feel like there's going to be a lot of benefits from this, from, from so much, you know, analytical, let me watch this swing, let me draw on this slow motion, send it, take a look, send it back. Let's go over some more, some voiceover. Um, you know, like, like when we're a person all the time, you don't get that give or take, you know, you, you get the three coaches standing by you and saying, yeah, Hey, try this, you know, come over here. Let me talk to you for a second. You know, it, you don't get the slow motion and all the little intricate. So I, I do it like, there'll be a lot of classroom stuff as well going over, uh, just, just, um, just brainstorming, but like outfield shifts and infield positioning, you know, and the same thing, it's kind of different to see it on paper or sometimes on a little blackboard than people all over the place, you know? So um, I think there will be benefits and things you lose, obviously, from not being in person. But um, we're, we're just trying to stay very um, organized with everything. I think that's that's number one with with how all this is going to go um, and, and not being able to meet up in person and, and different time. You don't have to be at the same time at the same place all the time. You can do things early. You can do things late. So it's just to me being organized, staying positive with everything and then still coaching like how we would coach. And it definitely does seem that in a way you might have an advantage over some other coaches because you are a younger guy. So maybe some of this tech stuff might come a little bit easier to you than say an older coach who has to adapt from 20, 25 seasons of doing it the old fashioned way only. Yeah. Is that something that you thought about or? or yeah, we, I mean, we've actually had that conversation. Um, I mean, not much on it, just saying that like, you know, I, we feel like we're in a good spot because between uh, me and, and the assistant coaches I do have, we are involved in things that just we're always on social media. We're always promoting stuff for advertising, or, um, like you were saying with my nonprofit company and, and marketing things and getting stuff out there and using Zoom and we're, we're ready to go. Like we've, we've been doing all that. So um, like, yeah, it, it, it is, it, it makes it a little easier transformation, you know, but um, I mean, you know, anybody with this, it's not complicated stuff, you know, anybody, you know, you just, you learn the system and what's going to, and that's what everyone has to do. I mean, it's a weird time and everyone has to adapt whether, whether you're, you know, no matter what side you're coming from. So, um, but yeah, we're, that, that definitely, I think is, for us was an easy transition into what, what is happening right now. So that's great stuff. Um, so you mentioned earlier, just a little bit of, you know, recruiting, how recruiting is going to work during the, the pandemic period here. So I'd like to turn the discussion to recruiting and that, uh, you know, the ecosystem in, in baseball in terms of college recruiting is already pretty crowded. So you have all the NCAA levels, NAIA, and then junior colleges. So how do you, uh, as a, a junior college in California, uh, during this pandemic, how do you find those players that you would normally have to go see in person or get to go see in person uh, during the pandemic instead? Yeah. So um, obviously this was, I mean, this was kind of my first run at using just any uh, the recruiting websites like what you guys do you know like with the videos and 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 trying to help kids move on and, and taking notes and having like the tangibles of of um the fastball and their bat speed and all you know all that you know the catchers pop time that's we have to have that now it's like there's no other way right now it's, it, video is everything video and recruiting video is literally everything right now um and uh and, and talking to coaches like there's there's no we can't go watch we can't get our own opinion um you know if this is how things are going so um 
it's like we we have to talk to coaches. We, we we can't watch them in a game. They're not playing games right now. We can't see how they react when they're doing good, when they're doing bad. How's their on the field presence? You know, we have to we have to talk to coaches about this stuff and watch video and, and kind of put it together that way. Um, it's very tricky, you know. Um, but man, some like I said, I've seen what you guys do, and it's it's sa it's saving us right now. It's it's just how it has to go. Um, so. I've, I've, man, I've used it so much. It's almost like it, it, at the same time, instead of going to watch a player, you can use this stuff and watch 10 players in the same amount of time. You can watch 20 players in the same amount of time. You go watch one person playing a game, you know? So I do, you know, I do like to go to games. I do still like to, to show up, but um, man, the, the, the things you guys are doing make it so efficient, you know, and, and such quick work. And I think that this stuff is just, it, to me, it just like this stuff is a rising, you know, uh, it's, it's on the rise of how we're going to scout and do things. It's very easy and very efficient. Definitely. Um, you know, especially because this season we did lose an entire senior season for a lot of recruits. And again, you as a JUCO, you have two years to have a player in your program. And so, you know, getting a sense of who they are as a ball player as a senior seems like it, it might have more weight. Um, so how are you going to be able to evaluate maybe those players who had good years as juniors or scuffled as juniors who then, you know, didn't have a chance to show what they could do at seniors? Yeah, exactly. Like, like you figure, it, like you were just saying, in a case where maybe a junior is on the rise and he hits a growth spurt, and, you know, and he, was, and he did bad at the beginning of the year, but now he picked it up and it's like, man, we think he's going to, and then you get no senior year and it's like, well, th there that goes, you know, and now you've got to work off of, of, of that instead of having that senior year where, where maybe someone blooms and they have this big breakout year and you go where you're supposed to go and you get all this exposure. Um, I, I, it's just that situation is going to, I'm sure that's a situation that happens a lot, you know, um, or someone that had a great junior year and then everybody's on them big time to watch them for their senior year and nothing happens. And now, you know, it's, so, so I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of kids that took a big hit from this stuff. Um, and it, and I, like I said, I, I feel for them, but, there's no other way but to, to just keep plugging and go to showcases and go to workouts and send video. And, and, and if you want it bad enough, you'll do all that stuff. You know, if the, if, yeah, if you truly want it, you, will, it, it will, you won't just take the back seat and feel bad. You'll do all that stuff. Someone will find you. You know, you got to put in the effort. Yes, it, things are a little bit harder now and things are, you know, it's a, it's a little trickier what's going on. But um, I, I I mean, I was one of those people, even, even in pro ball and in high school. And I just, I sent out too many messages. I was probably annoying to people. You know, I, I'd send them to, if the head coach didn't answer me, I'd send it to the front office. I'd send it to the secretary. Like I just never left any stones unturned. Um, and it's a really good feeling when your run is over because you don't have any regret, you know? So I was like that with everything, with playing high school, college, every showcase, workout, spend the money, go here, go there. It's a really good feeling when you're done. To, to be able to look in the mirror and be good. And you, if it's something that you truly want to go after, you know, and that's your end result, put everything in because when it's done, you'll just look back and go, oh, I should have did this a little bit more. I should have did this a little bit more. Um, or, or I should have sent a couple more messages. I should have did more in the weight room. Um, I, I'm just really happy that I, I was an all in type person and, um, and, and I could be good now that my run is over. So if any, if any, any advice I can give to younger guys would be, even though the, the times are tough right now, um, be the crazy one and don't let it affect you and still send out your stuff and go take video and just find ways. Easier said than done, but, but the, one, the ones that want it will make it happen. Definitely. And, you know, I get the sense that 
you know, given the NCAA's decision to uh, extend eligibility for players who have been affected by the pandemic, you know, it seems like we, we might see a lot of seniors coming back. So suddenly there's a lot of roster spots that freshmen, incoming freshmen, expected they might be able to get uh, and expected to be able to get playing time with that may no longer exist. So do you feel that those players may or should consider going to a junior college for a year so they can get, you know, a new sense of, of what they might do or, or even get some early playing time? Yeah, no. So, so I'm, I, we're just, I've talked to my coaches about this subject many times. We just think overall junior college this year is going to be very tough because of that, because of, because of the, the younger guys that we're going to go to a four year. And instead of all the seniors leaving and some fifth year seniors, you know, those are, they're staying and those are grown men, you know, and, and, uh, and so I, I do think that that is a very smart route to go. Um, it is, you know, you go to a junior college, you're only playing against freshmen and sophomore now, you know, rather than guys that are three years bigger, smarter, you know, like I said, those are men, they're ready to go. And a lot of kids just coming out of high school, you know, I, I truly feel like a lot of kids coming out of high school aren't ready for college baseball yet, you know, um, so it, give or take, you know, from the mental side or just get strengthening themselves and, and um, things like that. But um, I, your, your chances go way up you know, obviously when you're, when you, when you go to a junior college and you're, and you're not competing against those guys that are older, you know, and then, like you said, it's that those guys coming out of high school, they're, most of them are in need of baseball IQ and learning and you know what I mean? Learning campus life and on the field stuff and, and learning, you know, that college is a bit more serious and can you handle your grades with a little bit more of a rigorous practice schedule and, and, um, and just getting like polished, you know, and things like that. And at the same time, your playing chances are much better at, 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 at that level. So, you know, and that's not for everybody, but like in most cases, that's going to help out. So we have had that scenario several with, with a few kids this year where it's like they're definitely capable of, of a four-year, a D1, a D2. And a lot of these kids, you'd be very surprised that some of them are very knowledgeable with this situation that's going around. And that's why they're choosing the junior college. I don't even tell them that. They tell me. You know, I've talked to some kids and they're like, this is why I want to do it. This is what this is, you know, and I'm like, okay. So, you know, it's like some of these kids, uh, they, they know what they're doing. You'd be surprised. So, but some, you have to explain that scenario too, you know, and, and, um, but yeah, definitely. I think there's going to, there's going to be a, a good bit of that this year. So in, in terms of, uh, you know, just going back to, to video. So those players that are more savvy and they put together their video, maybe they send it to you via email. What sort of, uh, things do you look for in those videos and, and what sort of stuff do you feel that players overdo or underdo uh, in those videos? So one thing that I, man, I watched so much video in the past five months um, and you, yeah, you, over time, you just learn quickly, like what, what resonates, what's not, does nothing for me, you know? Um, and um, the, the videos of kids playing in games, that's like far away it literally does nothing for me. Like, I don't know if that's, that's just what I, I think everyone likes to post up like their base hits and their home runs and their, and, and things like that. But I can't see anything. I can't, you know what I mean? Like I, my, my favorite stuff is when it's a guy in the cage with the camera right from the side and you can see all the mechanics and you see about eight, 10 swings in a row, you know, like that's, that gives me something really good to look at. I can see mechanics. I can see the bat speed. I can watch hands. I can slow it up if I want. I can take screenshots, like, you know, and, and same thing like 
infielding, when someone has a good infielding video and the, you know, the camera's somewhat close and they're just on the field doing their thing, you know, and you watch them move to the right, move to the left, come up on the run, bare hand. Um, if they're turning double plays, you know, you need to see numerous stuff, you know, for, with, with, that, with that style there rather than like a, a, a blurry video of somebody turning a double play that's 50 yards away, you know. And some videos, it would just be all that. And I'm like, I can't, I got nothing from that. You know, and then some, they'll send me something short and sweet where the video is like a training video, you know, and, and it's like I'm up close and they're doing practice and it's amazing. You know, with the, and pitchers, they do, pitchers usually do very well with video from behind, then from the side, and then maybe sometimes from the catcher's view and it will say like what pitch they're throwing or they have a little velocity gun like that. All that stuff is amazing. You know, the, that, that stuff, the more that you can give us, obviously the better, but, um, what, one thing that is just I can't get much out of his game footage when it's when it's when it's like I say the basic video is going to be far away and blurry and I can't really tell what's going on. So, but man, when, but um, I think that answers the question. I, I, yeah. I think I might have went off track a little no, bit. No, you got it. I mean, it's I think you're right, and it's easy to, to go online and, and look at like max preps or perfect game and see okay, this guy hit 400 this year, and you know you get the video of all the singles and doubles, triples, home runs he hit. But that doesn't necessarily help you and figure out how does this guy train, how does this guy move around. So, you know, essentially, I think what you're saying is that getting the inside into the up close and personal version of what that player looks like on video is going to be much more valuable than something that you can go and find online, essentially, in box scores that, oh, this guy got a bunch Yeah. Of Someone could be batting 180 but send you three home runs and three doubles in a row. And you watch six swings and you're like, you know, like, so like you said, you can always look up the stats and then, and, and then, yeah, let, I, I, man, sorry. Someone keeps calling me. Um, but I like the training video, you know, in a facility or up close on a field and someone maybe just flipping them and just let me see what you look like. Let me see you move and, and things like that. Cause a lot of us coaches, you know, you can, um, you watch somebody take five, 10 swings, you could get a pretty good idea, you know, of, of, yeah, that's, there's something there. Oh, that's a little sloppy. You know, you're going to need to work on this. Wow, this person has really fast hands. It doesn't take us long, you know, after just, just watching you move, watching your body work. So in terms of your actual recruiting philosophy, what sort of ball players do you look for uh, at College of the Desert? I mean, to your school, uh, you want to get guys who are impact or guys who you want to develop? Um, so really both. You know, I, I think I – think, um, I would say right out of the gate, I am a fan. And I'm very, like I said, my way is not always just the, the only way. Like I'm well aware of that. My style is not the only way. I think just whenever you're a, as a human in the way that I played, I'm just attracted to people that played like how I played, you know? Um, so it's just something different, you know, when you see that, but that's not always going to be the case. I've played with amazing baseball players that don't play anywhere near like how I played, but um I was, I always described myself um, as a football player playing baseball. I was, uh, I really like, I liked football more than baseball in high school. I just had a, I was 180 pounds, uh, not even 170 pounds out of high school. I knew that that was not going to uh, take me to professional sports as a running back, you know, in baseball, same thing. I was uh, just as good. And I was, and, and um, I knew that was my better shot. So I, but it, it's been, you know what though, it's been very cool to, to, um, I kind of like mixed those games together. I was a, always a very violent, uh, kind of a loud, aggressive, you know, um, I've, I've had eight broken bones, I think since, since I, uh, since college was over, I think I've had like eight or seven surgeries 
um, just always flying around covered in dirt and blood. And, and like, that's what, those are the guys I like. I like players that play like that. Um, but like I said, that's not everybody's game. So um, I'm well aware that, that baseball is, is a sport where not everybody's mindset is the same. Not everybody's swings the same. Not everybody's preparation is the same. Not everybody's routines. Um, not everybody's mental makeup, how they act on the field. There's so many different people and, and cultures and people just um sorry i got cut out there but um so yeah i, I but that that's definitely i have something for those type of players the gritty you know kind of gritty scrappy guys but um at the same time like I, I love weight room guys i like the guys that take the weight room serious you have to have guys that take the classroom serious really all of it it's it, you have to be a, you have to be well-rounded with this whole process or, or something, you know, one thing falls out of place and you want to go to a high level of this. It's like, it, it gets tricky. Um, so guys that just, overall guys that take baseball serious, they take the process serious. It makes everything work so much better. It makes it so much more enjoyable and, and makes us coaching them and them being involved in what we're trying to give back to them. And we're all on the same page because we're all really about it rather than, you know, some people half in, half out. Some people were all in. So, you know, so it, it's, and then that's a challenge. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of colleges that don't have everybody all in. That's probably every college, you know, it, it's, it's hard to have a group, man, that just gets it and meshes like that and you just roll. So, um, but overall that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a fan of guys that really get after it and take their four years serious. Cause it's all you get, you know, that, and they know that they, they don't want to waste a, a, any, any time. They don't want to waste a day and they, they just understand how precious this time and how valuable this time is. And, and the, I mean, to me, those are the funnest guys to work with. I think that's a great philosophy. But in there, you did mention grades. And I want to ask you, how important is it for players to work hard in the classroom? And what sort of advice would you give to players who maybe when they arrive on campus, they aren't so motivated, aren't so focused in the classroom? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the grades is always, you always have to keep an eye on all that stuff. Um, you're always going to have players that slip a little bit. You're going to have the ones you don't have to worry about. You know, you get the ones that are in the middle, the ones that want to go. You just have to keep, honestly, as a coach, you have to keep tabs on all of it. And, um, but at, like for me, I'll use me as an example. I was never somebody that like sprinted to class and couldn't wait to go, you know, but I knew that that's what had to happen to, to get me to where I needed to go. So if that, if that was one obstacle in the way of me going to my baseball goal, I'll destroy it then. Like that, that was just, that's how it went. You know, that's just, it was, that's how I was with all this stuff. And I know not everybody is like that. So like you said, keeping kids motivated and, and keeping them locked in, it's so much harder than it sounds. You know, it's not that easy. It's not, you're, you're not just one motivational speech away from them being good to go. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot of ups and downs with this profession with your guys and keeping them in, in check. And, um, but that's, I try to always, I try to always talk to my guys and use my experience. I like to coach from experience and what I remember and, and, and I know what you're feeling and I know what you're do how, what this is, cause I've done it. You know, I like to coach like that. And that's what I tell them. It's like, I, I was not far off from you guys. I didn't want, there was no stud, there was no specific thing. I love to learn. I didn't want to go home and study, but like, if you, if you guys take this baseball stuff serious, and when baseball ends, you know, like how we were saying before, this, this stuff ends. And when it ends and you don't have any of this stuff in check, 
or you know you never went through the process of studying hard and working hard or working under stress and working under pressure and getting a bad grade and then trying to bring it back up and going to tutoring that's life is going to happen it's going to be the same thing but it's just not going to be at college and if you can't handle it it's going to be the same it's going to be the same result in life is when it starts to get heavy and it's something you don't like to do it's going to be like that's life man that there's a lot of things that are going to be like that so if you can't handle it now like feel it feel the pressure feel uncomfortable like that's that that's what does stuff to you you know so it's like i, I i'm I'm, I, I'm I can be you know 50 50 with that where it's like i know that this is tough but like you got to get through it because this is this is a speck of what is what's to come when when college is over and college life is over it's going to be this but it's going to be real life and now it's going to be can i pay for my house and can i pay for this and can i pay for this car and am i so it's like you know, and I remember being that age too and having that speech said to me and sitting there and being like, oh, this talk again, you know, can we just get out of here so we can go eat? You know, like I remember people telling me what I'm telling them and it's crazy to see that go full circle. Um, you know how, how that goes. Cause when I'm sitting there, I'm like, I know some of these kids aren't even listening to me right now because I was sitting where they're doing and I was doing the same thing. So I really try to, uh, you know, hammer down the importance on this stuff. And I, like I said, I always, always try to tell them like, I was you, like I was this, I remember this talk and I'm telling you, it's going to come get you. If you don't take this stuff serious, you don't get your stuff together. You know, I've seen it happen to a lot of people. So, um, but, but from the grade standpoint, like it's so much stuff just feeds off of it. Your scholarships you can get. Now you're not in debt. It's easier on you. It's easier on your parents. You know, it, and when it's time to get a job, it looks good, all that, you know, all that stuff. And, and it's to maintain good grades, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. It's not for everybody. So the ones that, you know, start to trail out, it's tough to keep them locked in, but that's our job. We got to, we will do the best we can. You know, I think last year there was a kid, right? So I literally come to your house and help you study. Like, what is, what's going on here? If it's that bad, like I will do that. You know, like we'll, we'll help them. We'll do whatever we can. But um, sometimes it's just like, these are men now, and if they don't have it, there's only so much you can do. You know, this, the, we're men, we're adults. If this is your dream, this is your goal, this is a part of it. This is a part of it that has to be handled. And as men, handle your business, you know? So, um, but to a certain degree, there are guys, there are kids. Um, I don't know if you ever, I mean, as a coach, they feel like your kids after a long, after so long, like something different just happens, you know, when, 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 and that connection you make with your players that you're around so much you, you the little bit of that starts to, to take place so you know that and I tell them all that you know you you need anything the phone's always there there's not a don't text me until 10 don't after 10 I don't want to we're always here we're here we know life is crazy and, and we're always here for whatever you need whether it's on the field off the field so that that's where we're at I, I think in, in junior college sports as well there's sort of a I would call it a myth or a, a stereotype that people think that players who are going to go play at a, at a JUCO are going because they want to take a lighter academic load or because they want to focus more directly on sports. Um, but I've heard from a number of coaches and, and players who played at the junior college level, this is absolutely not the case. Uh, what has your perspective been on that? And, you know, when your guys get in and they get into the classroom and they do their work, do you feel that they are, you know, every bit as talented or intelligent or focused as players that go play in the NCAA at any of the levels? Or what's your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I mean, I still, I still think you, it's just like uh, uh, most schools, you just get a big mixture 
of, of guys that, that handle their business a little differently. Some, you know, um, but no, my goodness, we, we've had players that are, especially this year coming in and, and in the past, you know, very bright students, very guys that are very capable of handing, uh, handling a D1, D2 workload, you know, um, so I don't think that's the case at all. I th and I think that's something, like for me, I didn't know too much about junior college, um, gosh, even four years ago. Like I started learning way more about it when I first got into it as an assistant. Um, when I was in college at a D2, I didn't, even, I didn't even know a shred of what I knew nothing. I never even thought twice about it, I didn't know what it was. Um, and then the whole way through, never. The only time I heard anything about junior college when Bryce Harper was about to get drafted. And I remember keep hearing, I kept hearing like, oh, he went to this top JUCO. He went to this top. That's, I feel like that's the only time I ever started to like hear the, the, the JUCO and be like, oh, what is that? You know, like it, 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 so, but once now that, man, now that I'm in it and, and you see what, why kids come here, what, what it's, what are the benefits? Why are people even choosing this route? Now it makes sense. Now, now I'm like a Juco guy. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, for, for, at least for your first year or two, for so many different scenarios, I feel like it makes so much sense. Some of these guys that live in California and it's like free, it's like free for two years. And, and you're, you know, and, and some of these programs are great and you're getting the play and you're getting way more playing time. So now you're getting way more exposure because you lived on the field for the last two and a half years. And now let's go to the big program where you play right away, you know? So it's like, so it's a little different route, but I, th I feel like once you understand it is the biggest part of it is not just seeing, ah, no, not Juco. That's not a D one, ah, not Juco. That's not a D two. You know, when you understand what's happening, what are the benefits and why people choose this route? I think it actually, it, it really opens your brain up and you're like, okay, okay. So that it did that for me. It's more so my this year as a head coach, when I was the assistant, a little bit more of like show up, do my thing with my hitters, you know, handle the assistant coach stuff. And, and um, I didn't really need to know a lot of the intricate ins and outs of everything. And, and um, man, that I, I just learned so much this year uh, getting thrown into it. So big, I, I, I did a big turnaround in these last couple of years of not knowing what Juco is to like being a big fan of it. I mean, it's interesting that you, you bring us specifically Bryce Harper's case and called yourself in Nevada. I think a lot of people, who especially are, are bigger baseball fans even, they really only know or think about JUCO in the context of the Major League Baseball draft and seeing guys coming out of those big magnet schools. So, you know, I want to ask you kind of a, a broad question. In this, you know, crowded ecosystem of college baseball, what for you are the, you know, one, two, three, like key points about JUCO that are like the biggest selling points? Like what, what sort of player should come to a JUCO and who do you think is going to excel in this environment? I think that, um, and see, to me, this is why I, I, and I could be, this is just my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm much younger coming into the JUCO scene. So I'll, you know, I'll just throw my opinion out there. It's not, you know, not right, not wrong. Um, I feel like it's hard to get good, like kids out of high school that um, are, are talented, that, you know, that you, you, you know, something's there. This could be a D1 guy. This could be a really tough, and I, and I feel like a lot of them, should really think hard about um, of, if, of, if, if the JUCO route would be good or the D1 right out of the gate would be good. Because I think what I've seen or stories I've heard of a lot of guys is like, are you of, are you of the caliber you're trying to go to? Maybe, 
but are you going to play in the in two years? M maybe, maybe not. You know, like it's it's like you, and then your next two, maybe you're ready to rock. You know, and it's it's and and um, rather than if you went to even if it was a solid JUCO that had you know a top JUCO or a top you know that has a really good reputation, a lot of exposure and and things like that, and then if you go there and now it's like you're in center field game one, you know, and, and you're playing right out of the jump and you're learning and you're getting reps and you're getting all this, you know, and, and it's, to me, it's like, what type of player are you? What, which one of those do you want? You know, and, and for me, for example, I wanted to play right away as a freshman. If I would have went to a D one, that would not have happened. I thought it would have had, I thought that I could just like everyone else. Um, but now that I look back, I'm like, cool. Thank God I didn't go that route. You know, I, I, I wanted to do the same thing. I was a, top player in Pennsylvania and looking to get drafted and all the, you know, I, I had it all there, had D one offers, D two offers. And I picked the D two that I knew that they said, you will play your, your chances of playing will be very, very high as a freshman. I said, that's what I want. I don't want to go to this place and, and spend a year or two in and out and not really knowing my future. And, 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 um, you know, and everyone, like I said, everyone's scenario is different. I'm kind of just throwing my own brain into this, but, um, it, it's it's just knowing your scenario and what you want out of it you know some guys will go to some guys will go to their school and and not do much for the first two years and then play their next two and be fine you know i just think that it's a, it's a good way to to get a lot of reps and learn because most time the, your freshman and sophomore years when you need to learn you know not everybody has great coaches coming out of high school and you need to learn and, and learn and make mistakes and get better. And then whenever you're ready for a little bit more of a higher level, then you're, then you're set, you know, you've made your mistakes. You've, you've got to play enough and get enough reps in to make mistakes and learn from your mistake. You can't, if you're not playing, you can't, you can't learn from what's going wrong. You can't learn from your actions and the mistakes. You need to be on the field getting reps so you can learn what worked, what didn't work, you know, communicating with your team, all that stuff. So, um, I th same. I kind of forget the question. Where are we going again with this? Oh, so we were just talking about, you know, what sort of uh, players should consider JUCO and like what the, the key selling points would be. So like, you know, it, it seems like you were talking a lot about players who wanted to one, play right away, uh, and two, who maybe needed some development early. And so yeah, exactly. If they get a chance to show up and they get a chance to play right away and develop in those game situations. Yes. Right. Yeah. Your, your early years, you know, if you're not, if you're not in the mix, you're, it's, it's tough to, like you said, it's tough to develop then, you know, rather than if you're out there and you give yourself a better chance to be on the field every day and, and learn, you know, and then, then you're two, then you're two freshman and sophomore year, your younger years, you got something out of it. You're progressing, you know, you're, you're evolving into, to a, an older player. Um, but like I said, that's not everybody's case, you know, um, I also think um, with JUCO, the key selling points, um, man, I mean, for our local guys, the, 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 the tuition is insane to me. Like that, that is crazy to me. Um, the, the, how, how low that is for guys that are in state, um, man, same thing. That's never an issue when you're, the, when you're the player getting ready to go play college, the price of, of what it is. When you, whenever you got to start paying it, that's when it starts punching you in the face. So that to me, I just, I just paid off my student loans literally this month. So 10 years of paying, like paying a bill for 10 years straight. So I tell my guys, I'm like, listen, I'll tell it to you very easy for, I just got done paying 
I don't know, 300 something, you know, like whatever that bill is for every month for 10 years. I said, that's what you have to do if whenever your college stuff goes. So I'm like, if you go to your in-state and, and your tuition, my goodness, for, is a thousand bucks. It's like, oh my gosh. So for two years, you know, that you're, you're, it's basically free for some of these guys out here. So I think that's a huge selling point, you know, um, but, and, and just JUCOs overall, you know, so that's another big one. That's kind of like off the field type stuff. So I always forget that one, but that's a, that is a, that's a big one to me. I think definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know about the way that recruiting works for California community colleges and, and JUCOs that you are in a way, not, not fully limited, but a lot of your guys are going to be local guys who are from the districts surrounding your school. So not only are those guys going to get cheaper tuition, but they're also going to get to you know, stay at home. In a way. Do you feel that because of that, there's a lot of uh, support or a lot of interest in the community or that there's support going both directions or, or what's your take on it? On kids that want to stay local and things like that? Yeah. Or like um, what the relationship between those players and the community at large, because this is where they're, they're from for a large yeah. number of the guys in your squad. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think any town, cause I'm speaking from thinking of how I was in my area and then even here, and I got to coach uh, at Shadow Hills at the high school out here with um, Coco Crisp and kind of like meet some of the, you know, meet some of the coaches and the players and kind of talk to the players about where they're going to go and things like that. Um, I always think you kind of have a split, you know, I always think that there's guys that don't have a problem staying local or that want to stay local. But I, honestly, I think most kids want to get out, um, give or take. Like when it's not, when college is like, let me get out of here. Let me go to college and be on my own. And um, same thing though, not everybody is like that, but I was like that. I, I was, you know, I, I wanted to get out. I was ready to go. Um, so, but I, I, what I'm hoping is that, and, I, and I, I feel confident enough in saying this, is I really do hope that, um, you know, with me and the guys I have involved with me here, and after, you know, a couple of years, we get rolling and just the word of mouth and, like, I think the change in, in, in how we do things and the people coming in, um, I really do hope that um, the kids in our area um, would, be, would be completely okay with, with coming here and, and taking those two years, saving money, um, being very comfortable in their environment because they're home, they're not paying rent. Like it, it, for the parents, it's a dream because it's, if they want to stay at home, it's, you know, and they, and they, and the tuition is low, two years of, of like, <laughs> you're saving so much money as a parent, it's crazy. But the, it, everybody's different, you know, you can't put a tag on everyone. Some people want to stay, some want to go. And I, and I do hope that after people meet us and, and come through our, um, our circle of baseball here that more want to stay than not. Great. That's really great. Um, so I want to take this time to turn this now to your personal experience as a player and going through the recruiting process. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you were a two-time uh, NCAA uh, All-American outfielder at California University in Pennsylvania. And you touched on it a, a bit earlier in terms of the fact that you had scholarship offers from, or you had offers from other schools, D1, D2. You know, how did you make that decision in the end? For you, I think you mentioned that at playing time was a, a big issue for you. Yeah, um, there's a couple factors of why I ended up going there. Um, so I was, I was definitely looking into, there was a small shred that was like maybe the draft, but we knew it would be like a 
you know, it was, it was not like, um, it would have been like way at the end if we're lucky, you know? So wasn't it really expecting anything big from that? And then the colleges were all bigger colleges from around where I was from WVU Pitt, uh, like Villanova Marshall, like there was a handful of them, but nothing, that made me feel good. You know, it was always, it, all the messages were the same, you know, we, we can't promise you anything. We'd love to have you out here. We don't have a lot of money, blah, blah. And it was like, nobody really sounded like they truly wanted me, you know? And, um, and then the D twos were the opposite. The D twos, um, I was getting like handwritten letters and things and saying like, you will start right away. You'll be this, you. And I'm like, it, so that's what that did to me. These people made it sound like they wanted me. And the other ones, it was kind of just like, yeah, you know, we have a little bit of money, you know, you, it just didn't, it wasn't as attractive to me. And um, so I started, you know, I kind of kept both in, in check. I didn't know which one I was going to pick yet. I went to visit a few of them and I went to the schools called California University of Pennsylvania. Um, and I, and I started looking into it and I knew the bit, a big thing for me was I played against maybe like five or six guys in high school that were there. And the guys that I played against were good. Like I, I, there was a couple of them where I'm like, man, I bet they play pro ball. You know, they were really good. So they were there. So I, to me, I was like, man, they, this place got to be legit, you know? And then I started messaging those guys and asking them about the competition and the campus and, you know, this, that, the other. And um, it all just started to make some sense. And then I, and I, I went and met the coach and the coach was awesome. Um, his name was Mike Conti. And uh, very much like me, uh, uh, he's, he played for the Oakland A's. Um, and uh, he was a big weight room guy. He was like an uh, older coach for us, you know, um, but like very much, it, probably in better shape than we were. He's one of those guys, you know, he would just, he just worked out forever. He looked in shape and he was always just, a two, he always had more energy than everybody. He was just one of those guys and um, it clicked really well. And it felt good. And we played out of a, the Washington Wild Things big professional stadium as our home field. Um, and that was that's why I picked that. And um, I'm very, very, very grateful that's where I picked. Even when I went to D2, as a freshman, I was not ready to play baseball there. So, like, that's why I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Like, kids out of high school don't understand the jump that college baseball is, you know. Um, so I remember that, like my skills were there, like I could hit it really far. I could probably run just as fast as the next guy. I could throw really hard, but like, I was not ready to play in a college baseball game. I wasn't ready for that pitching. I wasn't ready for how much more is going on and signs and how much smarter you have to be. And why do you do this? And when should you stop at second? Why do you hit the cutoff man? And whenever you're down in the count, what should your approach be? And what's your approach? Like all of this crazy, I was just playing baseball in high school, just out athleting everybody. You know, when, whenever it comes time to be a real baseball player, it was, it was like, I, I didn't have, I didn't have like this yet. And, and you could tell very early on, like, so, so I, I you know, it was the same thing. That's a good learning, uh, good learning point for me, especially now as a coach. And I got to, and, and you talk to these kids that also want to go D1, D2. And it's like, man, you got to really know what you're getting yourselves into, you know, and, and, and what's, what, what's best for your situation instead of just diving into what looks the coolest. As a D2 player, did you feel that the, the comp uh, competition was similar to what you would see in D1? I mean, I know you saw in pro uh, ball a lot of guys from different levels. So, you know, what did you feel the biggest difference between the level of competition? Was? 
Now, you know what would be the biggest difference there? Because I've been to, I've gone to D1 games. I've played with D1 players in like, um, in summer ball and things like that. And um, you just have, like in a D2, I feel like there's just less of the, of the D1 caliber guys. You know, there might be like three on each team, three or four, you know, maybe one pitcher. Uh, you know, maybe in one team, you got an outfielder and a catcher. And then when you get to D1, it's like now you got seven of those guys at that caliber and you got five pitchers that are upper 80s shutting it down. So definitely, it definitely amps up. It definitely, you know, it's, but, but when you get into your D2, you know, they're, they're there. It's just there's not as many of them consistently. So for you, the biggest difference is just the, like the frequency and the, 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 just the bulk number of players that are the guy, basically. Is your yeah, experience. yeah. So on that, you know, for players that are sort of on the cusp between maybe going to a D1 or a D2, where they're trying to figure out what their baseball path is going to be, what would you say the biggest selling point of a Division II program would be? Division II? Um, man, that's a I – mean, Obviously, I, it could be different across every, every program, but, you know, just for, like how, how did you feel once you were there, once you got on campus, you saw the speed of things? And once you got into the flow of it, like, what clicked for you? How did it, how did it, you know, how did you, did you feel like you made the right choice? I guess it's, it's kind of the question. Too. Yeah. Okay. So that, okay. That, that gives me a little, uh, a route to go there was, um, I think that there, like I knew my, I knew my skill set, and, and going to doing that route, I think that allowed me like, like surrounding myself at, at a D2 level, that is, the the reason I hit 410, you know, my last two years and wasn't all American and was able to play my style of baseball, which was a little wild at times and stealing every time I'm on base and taking every extra base and all that. And and um and I was able to play that way and get away with it. Where as possibly at a D1 level and everyone's a little bit more polished and the the players are, you know what I mean? The pitchers are a little, you know, the pitchers might have a little bit more accuracy or, or just the next level. I mean, D1 pitchers are next level, you know, that's a step up. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't just be a pull hitter all the time and yank everything. And they're going to start eating you up on what you can't handle and watch how you play and things like that. So um, I think if I, I, at the D2 level, I use it, I use the term as I, I felt like I out athleted everybody. I say that all the time. I don't think, I don't think that I was like a clean baseball player, but, uh, mentally i think just being so aggressive and 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 um i mean i was good at baseball but but like once you just level up there's a next level there's another level to it where you can't just go out there and be like i'm just going to go nuts today and everything's going to be good you know i'm going to swing as hard as i can every pitch and steal every time i'm on base and throw everybody out that's how i've played you know and and um at that level i think i got away with it you know and then when i got into pro ball it was, it was like a rude awakening. Like you can't play like that. You look wild. You stand out. Uh, you know, you got to be smarter with what you're doing and, and uh, things like that. So it kind of was like good and bad. It was like, it was, it was good to play like that to get myself on the map, but it was bad in the sense that it was setting me up for a little bit of a rocky start uh, getting into pro ball. And I've told kids that before. I'm like, you're me. I see what you're doing. And trust me, this will work here. But this is not going to work at the next level. So let's like, if you want to keep this rolling, that's fine. Like, know where you're at, know what level you're playing at, and 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 let's work on what's coming up as well. You know, you, it, it's it's kind of a. 
I had that crossroad. I don't know if every, anyone else did, but I definitely had that crossroad. And I didn't have anybody really say that to me. That I was just, I was an all-American. No one's telling me to do something different or I'm doing anything wrong. But somebody definitely needed to say like, this will work here, but when you move up, you got to start getting some, you got to start getting some stuff together here. And, um, and I use that a lot in coaching because I see a lot of kids that play, that play similar to that. So for you, you'd say in some ways the value of a, of a D2 school is really similar to what you would see at JUCO in the sense that it's a chance for maybe guys a little raw to get in and get that early playing time and sort of figure out who they are as a ball player. Yeah, exactly. I think at a D1, that gets exposed big time. You know, if you're, if you're playing some, some high-level programs and you're just playing all out of control and you don't have approaches and you're not, you know, the, 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 some of them D1 programs, man, they got their stuff together. And that stuff just wouldn't fly. And I was at a place, luckily, that that um, I was able to play my game and um, and and be okay, you know. So that and I think my my coach kind of let me do that. He kind of knew what type of player I was, and he and he just took, you know would step back and say, "Do your thing." You're like I said, it was never like I was doing bad, but um, somebody definitely needed to pull me aside and and. and and give me this, the talk about like what's coming up. You know, that, that was a big thing that I think um, I, I needed that would have prepared me a little bit better. But hey, no, nobody has it all, man. Nobody gets the, you know, it all perfect. That's why it's baseball and life and you figure it out as you go. So I guess just the, the last question I have on, on D2 is sort of another vague, big question. It's, um, you know, we covered this back in, in the Juco portion as well, but for you, what type of ball player do you think really should uh, consider the D2 route? Um, well, it all depends. Um, you, I mean, you can come from either end of the spectrum. It could be, it could be somebody that you, you know, that, that, I mean, you have to be a solid ball player. You know what I mean? Like di division two is, 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 I mean, really most places, D2, D3, D1, you got to be a baseball player. It's not, it's it's rare if you're just jumping into those uh, programs because you're like, well, I kind of like baseball. Let me give this a shot. You know, the, the, for, the, for most most teams, um, you know, step one is you gotta you gotta be able to play, um, and then you're gonna get you know there, there's different levels to it, but you're you're gonna get guys that are you know potentially D1 guys, but do they want to go there and it be a little tougher? Do you want to go to D2 and 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 tear up? You know. Um, and then you could go to the other end of that where it's like, well, I don't know if I can hang here. Should I drop down to a D3 where I think I get more time or, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, you, I would just say that at a D2 level, you know, I mean, and there's more things than just baseball again, you know, it's, it's morning lifts, it's grades, it's, it's, you know, going to class. It's, are you at a big campus? You got to drive to class. Are you going to do all that stuff? Um, our night classes, practices, lifting weights. It's, it's a lot. So, you know, baseball aside, um, you need to be the right person to handle all that stuff. It's not easy. You know, it's, it's definitely not easy. It's not for everybody. Um, but from a baseball standpoint at a D2 level, you know, you got to be able to play the game. You know, we, we just, in, in our summer league, we coach in, um, I've seen two guys get, get uh, one's playing pro now, one got drafted by the Marlins. They're both D3. For our summer, you know what I mean? They're everywhere. It's hard to really, it's hard to categorize, you know, who should go to a D2, who should go to a D3. The kids at the D3 could have probably, the catcher I knew probably could have played at the D1. He's at a D3, got drafted. 
if you can do it, if you, if you're of that level, you will get found. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, to me, it's, it, I mean, God, do guys fall through the cracks? Absolutely. But you will be on the map if you're of that level. You will not be a pro caliber player and no one ever gives you a look, you know? It, it, so, and I think that, that, I've seen that happen several times. JUCOs, D3s, D2s, D1s, um, it, it, they will find you. Like, we, we did a, um, we, I did a Zoom meeting with Ian Happ. He uh, probably, like three weeks ago, and he was just talking to a group of coaches and things, and, and he said the same stuff. He was just like, if you're with social media and computers and recruiting apps, he's like, you know what I mean? It will, the computer will find you. And, and I thought that was so true. Because um, if you're at that level, make a profile on SportsForce and send it out to the world. Like, you know, it's, it's inevitable if you're at that level. So to me, that almost turns it into like, go where you're going to play, go where you're comfortable, go where you know you're going to play. Because if you're of that level, why would you force this route and you're not really sure and it might not work out or why, or, or, or take a step back and know that you're going to kill it here. You know, it's like, so that's a big decision for kids to make. Um, but as, as like for coaches, we, I feel like for us and coaches, we see it so clearly. Everyone like, it feels like coaches, you see it so clearly. We feel like we have all the right answer where it's like, dude, don't go there, go here. This is going to be tough for you. Back 400 here, move on. Let's keep this thing rolling, you know? So, um, making those decisions um, like that and, and having all that in your brain where it's like, if you know you're of that level, play where you know you're going to play, you will get seen rather than go to where you think it's going to be dicey and there's five awesome outfielders. And if you off to a bad start, you're on the bench for the first half of the season, you know? So putting all that stuff into account, man, it's important. It, it seems like even if a player is aware of this, maybe a parent isn't necessarily. So what would you say to a parent that has a, a son that's trying to decide, you know, what sort of school to go to. They have offers from D2 or D1. Maybe they talk to a D3 coach. You know, for, for a parent, like, what should they be looking for? And, you know, what sort of things should they try to value and, and appreciate when they're helping their son through this process? Yeah, man, I like this one. Um, I really think that the coach, I think that, I think that looking into the coach or the coaching staff um, and, and who the, the kid is going to be surrounded by every day. Um, cause that's really essentially what happens, you know, and, and, and that coach coaches are, I mean, some are good, some aren't, but like coaches are so important for, for these kids. Like we, we see them every day, you know, they start as a leader, they start the chip, they start to start, they, they'll start to reflect you give or take, you know, um, I think they'll, ref, you know, if they and I see that a lot and, and I take that very serious as well. But like, if, if I think if I was talking to a parent or if I had a kid, that would be a big part I'd be looking into is who is, who, who's in control of my, my kid and my player when things are going good, when things are going bad, you know, who am I trusting to for four years, develop my son or, you know, into a baseball player and a human and a human being that's, that's getting ready for life. You know, they're seeing us more than they're seeing their parents, uh, give or take, you know, whenever they're out here for the fall and the spring. And, and um, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but I know they're seeing us a lot, you know. Um, so I definitely think that's a big factor. You know, that, that's not just like a baseball thing. That's like a who's grooming my, ki my, my kid's brain and, and teaching them to be a man and teaching them how to handle themselves on and off the field with 
adversity and grades and who's checking on them and do they even care, you know? So, or is it just give me, give me baseball and that's it, you know? So I try really hard to, um, to not be that, you know, I, I, I really try to get, we've already have kids that are involved in my nonprofit and want to come on trips and have donated, you know, and, and try to show them that route of, of life. And, and um, just honestly, they're just more to it than baseball. And, um, and, and once I was done playing pro and my brain could like take a rest and see the rest of not just tunnel vision, you know, I, I really like to, to try to, um, to go that route with, with our guys, you know, there, and then at the, on the other end of it, as a parent, you want to look into the campus. Is it nice? You know, the cost, the, um, it, all the, all the things that go into picking a college, you know, um, how far away is it? You know, cause you want to go watch them play where they go in close and they go in far. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely think looking into who, who's in charge of your, of your kid is a big deal. Definitely. And uh, it seems like a good spot to sort of pivot it and talk about uh, your nonprofit. So, um, so let's, let's take a, a dive into the SD project. How did you get started? And, and tell us a little bit about the day to day. Um, so it, it started um, just in my hometown. I, uh, when I would, when I'd come home for a pro ball in the winter, um, I would teach out of a hitting facility um, not far from home. Um, it'd always be cold and snowy when I'm home all winter. And, um, I would teach a bunch in, in the area I'm from in, uh, Beaver County, Pennsylvania. Um, give or take is kind of like a lower income area has, has some towns that are a lot of low income spots. And we'd get a lot of kids that come in from all over. And, um, it, it I kept getting, uh, the same scenario kept happening, um, more times than not where I start, it started to make my brain just wander, um, where kids would, not be able to keep coming in and the parents would say they couldn't uh, keep paying it, you know, and they can't afford it um, and things like that. And, and um, I think just when I was playing still, I didn't have enough time to think of this stuff yet, you know, but it was, it's, it started. Like I, I remember thinking of it one day where I'm like, man, it would be really awesome if I had money set aside. Um, so whenever these parents come in with their kids and they can't afford like a $20 baseball camp, you know, uh, that that we can help them out um so once yeah well, I, I there was something that happened that just like set me into it where i was like you know what i'm gonna help these people like they there was a family that kept pulling me aside and saying they the, the kid loves it but they're struggling and they don't have enough money and they're you know if, if we're gonna have to pull them out soon if they if he can't but this is the only thing that he makes him happy and i'm like okay this is you know, like this is this is it this is where i'm gonna do it you know so um, I was like, just keep coming in, you know, we'll figure something out and, and, and we'll go from there. And, um, and it kept going on all month, all month. And you're saying, we're going to pay it. We're going to pay it. So what I did was I was like, you know what, you're fine. You're covered. Like I'll handle it. And once I said, I hand, I'll handle it. I was like, now I got to do it. So now I, so I just started messaging like my old teammates and my family and old coaches and, um, just so, so many years of sports. I just have such a huge sports family, whether it's football from when I was young to pro ball to college to the, my teammates, my teammates, parents, you know what I mean? Like there's so many people, it's crazy. Um, and everyone was like down, everyone was donating and like, yeah, this is awesome. And, and then I made a GoFundMe so I can post it up on like Facebook and like do it that way. And, um, it went nuts. I wasn't a fan of GoFundMe cause I was like, I don't know if I want to just broadcast and ask everybody for money. And people were like, no, I'm telling you, like, 
this is a good thing and just word it and set put you know say what you're going to do and um and it just made thousands of dollars like quickly it was like thousands of dollars and um so we started local with it like anytime we would like look into kids who or, or people would contact us and say hey we have this family that can't afford basketball this year can you help them out we're like absolutely we'll go over and meet them pay you know pay for their stuff maybe get them some gear some equipment um and take a picture with them and then post it up and show them everybody where their money went and then like another day you know um we'd have three kids in aliquippa where their whole team was going to florida because they made this like national championship but there's like three or four kids that can't go because they can't afford the trip i was like amazing let's go let's go meet them all we'll send the parents we'll send the kids like so that was like just stuff like that it's amazing to be able to do stuff like that and what's so cool is it's 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 a huge group of people that donate it and then like me or some of my teammates that go with me if I go out of the country um, or wherever I would need to go. But I did a lot of it by myself, just with people who are donating to it. I'd travel around a little bit, go do all the stuff and we always post it up so you see where your money's going. So um, it, it, as the time, as time went, um, people started to want us to go out of the country and just the way my brain is, I'm like, you know what, the crazier the better, let's go, where are we going? We don't even know what we're doing, but I, there's a group out in Africa and they don't have soccer equipment. Let's take a bunch of stuff. So we started doing stuff like that and we don't even know what we we're doing. We show up and video it all and like hang out in the middle of nowhere and help all these kids and fly 16 hours and come back home. We're like, how did we just make that work? Uh, but like, so we did a lot of it just, just from scratch. And then uh, once I had somebody that wanted to help me turn it into a nonprofit, like a legit nonprofit, um, that was a big step because that scared me because I'm not, I just didn't know what all goes into that. I'm like, I don't want anything extra. The way I do, it's awesome. Like there's no ties to it. We have this money and when we need to go do something, we do it, simple. Um, so that was a big step. And, and that put it, that made us eligible for like businesses to donate to us for write-offs and things like that. And um, so, it, it, and so that, and it just makes it legit, you know, when you're a legit nonprofit company and then we made a website. And all, so it's just a slow build. Um, and we've been doing it for like five years now. And we go like all over the country, whenever something pops up, when people hit us up, uh, we just sent um, baseball nets out to Ghana, uh, Ghana, Africa for a bunch of kids. They send us videos of what they're doing out there. We keep in contact with them. We've been to Dominican Republic, uh, Belize, Mexico, um zimbabwe all over the united states we it's it's crazy what it turned into um and it yeah it's really it, it's really cool like we've had some uh professional athletes uh donate and get involved and buy like some of our t-shirts and things like that and so it's it's come a long way and it's it's definitely something i love to do now all my college kids jump in on it it's, it's awesome it's like a big snowball effect I mean, it, it seems like a, a really great example of the power of sports and, you know, how it brings people together to achieve great things for, for those less fortunate. So uh, congratulations on, on that. And uh, what, what's your goal for the future? What, what do you see happening next for the SD project this year and maybe next year as well? Um, man, it took a big hit because we can't travel right now uh, as freely. Um, and and uh, but we, we have a couple things on deck, like we were going to go out to Africa again. Um, and man, when you just see the videos of these kids and what they use to practice and where they're at, like it's a, for me, like when you send me a video like that, I'm gone. I'm, it's automatic. Like I'm going. So, um, 
this one is a really good one. I want to go so bad. They send me video all the time um, and they just need some help. And they're like, and when you watch them, they take it so serious and it's such easy stuff to like coach and correct and think stuff. So I just feel like it will be such a good one. Um, and I know I want to do that coming up, but it's tough to get a group of people right now with everything that's going on. But um, other than that, honestly, um, it just keeps going. Like it, 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 nothing needs to change. Um, when, when stuff presents itself to us, if we can help, we do. Um, sometimes we'll start to look into stuff or we hear about, you know, kids and, and, um, but, but for as busy as I am with all this baseball stuff to be able to just, when things pop up, I have the money set aside and we can handle it. It's perfect how it works. You know, um, if I, if I, if I was only just doing this, I would do stuff every day, you know? So, um, so it's, it's almost like maybe we get one thing a month, one, two, sometimes it just all depends three, but, um, but yeah, for the, for the future, it's just going to keep rolling. You know, whenever stuff comes our way, we, we help people out. And, um, the more people that want to get on board, it's, it's, um, our, our, our social media and everything is just the SD project, uh, www.thesdproject.com is the website. And all of our stuff, everything we've ever done is on those. You can check it all out. So, um, yeah, if anyone is more interested in that stuff, you know, check it out and, and give us a ring. Fantastic. Well, uh, first <laughs> Mario, thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me today. We at Sports Force really appreciate everything you do. Um, and we wish you and the Roadrunners the best of luck in the 2021 uh, baseball season. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Folks, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sports Force Baseball Podcast. For additional full episodes of the show, or if you'd like to learn more, you can head over to sportsforceonline.com. We also have our player evaluation available there. If you have any questions, feel free to email our team. It's scouting at sportsforceonline.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at sportsforcebb. This has been a presentation of Sportsforce, your personal college recruiting advisor. I'm your host, Jack Coppinger. That's our show. Thanks for listening.